serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. I recorded this interview with Roy several weeks ago prior to the Apple announcement. I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did speaking with Roy. And I'd also like to thank people that have donated, even the small amounts and certainly the monthly recurring donations all add up and allow me to create this podcast without having to take money out of my own pocket to do it. Today we're joined by Roy Sheffield. Roy, you are the creator or the main developer of Breeze. What's your title? I'm one of the Breeze uh, co-founder. I actually, I'm not uh, actually developing uh, the, the product. I'm more of the product manager of Breeze. Well, that's great. I've been mostly talking to individual developers. I'm highly technical though. so don't That's good. That's good. But you are a company. You're not just a solo guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, Breeze is a commercial company trying to make money on this crazy, in this crazy world. So how many employees do you guys have or how many people? All of a We're then? four full-time employees. And is the Breeze app, is that your only product? Yeah, well, it's keeping us busy 24-7, so I hope so. How long ago did you guys start developing Breeze? We started Breeze uh, on 2018, uh, and actually I started Breeze together with my two close friends, uh, Roy and uh, Akiva that worked with me in a previous company that I founded called Harmony. We decided to take another challenge and to try and help Bitcoin evolve from store value to a medium of exchange. And we saw an opportunity with Lightning Network at the end of 2017. And in 2018, we started, we founded the company and started crunching it. So normally this is where I would ask the, the person being interviewed, what did they develop previously? But it, in your case, tell us a little more about your background. You had founded yeah. a previous company. I'm actually, I'm a software engineer in my background. Uh, okay. In Israel, uh, everyone is, is obligated to serve in the army. After my military service, I, I wasn't a computer geek or anything like that when I was a child and growing up. But after the military service, I got a grant to, to learn computer programming. I said to myself, well, let's do that uh, for a couple of months till I'm, till I'm, till I start the university. And, and I started with, with the programming, uh, really, really clicked and, uh, and I started uh, doing uh, some projects here in the high tech industry in Israel. Uh, was a consultant in, in, in several companies, uh, various uh, software uh, development projects. And, and one of the companies that I worked as a consultant took me on uh, as a full-time employee. And, and then we've restarted the company and we renamed it, uh, we renamed the company to Harmony. It was an enterprise B2B collaboration company. And this is the first company that I founded. Breeze is the second. Got it. Okay. So you're, you definitely have a technical background, but at least right now you're really doing more product or project development. I'm doing uh, everything besides coding. Uh, yeah. So I believe a successful product is, is created by technical product management. It's not, uh, it's not enough to do uh, product management. It's not enough to do a development. Someone, there's a need to be someone that functions as a technical product manager, specifically in a very complicated uh, technical projects where the requirements are, are unclear, the specifications are unclear, the, the, all the development methodologies is, is rapidly changing. Uh, there's need to be a glue. And I really, I strongly believe in this function of a technical product manager, someone who knows the specifications, uh, who understands the standards, who un understands the, how to read code, understands how even to work closely with the developer to change the code on the one hand, and, but on the other hand, understands users, understands UI, understands UX, and knows how to merge these two worlds together. I wasn't going to interrupt that. I completely agree. <laughs> I, I certainly have, a, I think, a somewhat similar background. I started off as a developer when I was in college, then eventually moved on to business operations management. But I still have always 
maintain my technical knowledge and I still program for fun. Mostly I, I've done game mods. If I'm playing a game and I want to cheat a little bit, not in the sense that other people <laughs> think, but in the sense Hack. of... You're well, a hacker, Gene. Well, I am a hacker. That's true. But if there's something that I feel is missing or, or the game could be made better somehow, and, and these days most games have APIs, it's a good opportunity to maintain programming skill set and actually do something that uh, you end up seeing in the game. So I totally agree, totally understand what you're describing. It makes perfect sense. So let's talk a little bit about Breeze, because unlike some of the other apps that I've looked at, uh, Breeze kind of came from a different direction towards podcasting. So before we get into the podcasting aspects of Breeze, walk me through how you guys decided to create that app and what was your main focus? What were you trying to yeah. solve? Yeah, sure. So as I said, uh, we founded Breeze in, in our goal our motivation was to help Bitcoin transform from a store of value to a medium of exchange. Bitcoin is great. We believe in Bitcoin. We think Bitcoin is going to change the world and, and can introduce new type of use cases, new type of economy. It's really the internet and the future of money. But Bitcoin has some inherent problems that, that are not helping him to evolve to be a medium of exchange, meaning to be used as a currency. Uh, in the internet, uh, one of the well, there are three main flows, three main barriers. One is the fact that Bitcoin is slow. So in order to do a Bitcoin transaction, uh, you need to wait at least uh, ten minutes for the transaction to be confirmed. And this is if you understand how the blockchain works. Every approximately every ten minutes, a block is mined. And, and your transaction needs to be in blocked for it to be uh, confirmed, and and for the, the the one that's receiving the money, they need some guarantee that you're not gonna double spend uh, the funds. Your right. Funds. Yeah, because digital money, so you need to make sure that there's a way for people to not have transactions happening at the same time, which obviously yeah. is true of any system of exchange, but when you have thousands of transactions happening uh, or, or probably millions at this point, it's certainly very important for that to not have any errors at all. And exactly. it's certainly when I set up my Bitcoin node, I very much got to see firsthand the speed with which these transactions take place. Yeah. So that that was what what made Lightning or the guys that developed Lightning made them want to create the second layer. It sounds like you guys got into working on Breeze on the Lightning side pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, by the way, it's not only the speed, it's also the fees, uh, the transaction fees. Uh, yeah. And it's also the ability to do microtransactions. And because of the large fees, you can't really do microtransactions. And Lightning solves all these uh, problems. Uh, yeah, we got early on in developing Breeze. When we started, uh, when we started in mid 2018, the mindset of the community was that uh, Lightning, you can't have great user experience doing non-custodial Lightning, uh, and we wanted to change that dynamics uh, and that uh, way of thinking. We wanted to create a, a, an application. I, I don't really like to call Breeze a wallet, but for the sake of this discussion, let's call what we did initially a wallet. We wanted to create a wallet that maintain all the core properties of uh, Bitcoin, but provide uh, a great UX, meaning your keys, your coins, create a, a non-custodial environment, a non-custodial platform where you can transfer your Bitcoin, but on the other end, maintain a user experience that will be on par with what the custodial systems had to offer and, and eventually will be on par with what the fiat system has to offer. You mentioned a couple of terms, and I, I think I know what they are, but let's just clarify what you mean by custodial versus non-custodial. Let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah, so custodial means that someone else, Bitcoin is peer-to-peer -peer money. Peer-to-peer, uh, -peer, meaning you can do peer-to-peer -peer transaction. Like if I want to send uh, Gene some Bitcoins, the, the, the Bitcoins are being sent from, from Roy 
to Jin directly, no middleman and no, no, no trust is needed in order to execute this uh, transaction between us. Custodial means that someone else has access to, to the funds, to the Bitcoin. So let's say I'm purchasing some Bitcoin on an online exchange, uh, let's say Coinbase, and I keep my coins in Coinbase. Coinbase has access to my Bitcoins. They can access my funds. Uh, and I can certainly transfer some Bitcoins from Coinbase or let's say PayPal because PayPal now supports Bitcoin. You can't take them out. That's the thing about PayPal. You can put them in. You can't take them out. Well, even if they will allow you to take them out or to transfer Bitcoins to merchants or to your friends, it's funds that are controlled by PayPal, meaning PayPal has access to your funds uh, and they can take your money and they can access your money. And, and the entity that executes the transaction is actually the custodial entity. It's not you. They're doing that on your behalf, but it's not peer-to-peer -peer economy that we want to create. Uh, Bitcoin, I, I believe that the intrinsic value of Bitcoin is the ability to do to execute peer-to-peer -peer transactions. That's why I think Lightning should maintain all the core properties of Bitcoin. And without it, we, we might as well use the fiat system, which is working, right? Banks are working for, and they will, they've been working for a long time now. No reason to stop using them unless we want to do something different. And so you can think about custodial solution, custodial services as the new type of crypto banks. That's a good way of looking at it. And then the other thing that you mentioned was wallet versus not wallet. So well, I'm <laughs> going to have you explain then what's the yeah. difference between the wallet and the node? So a node, a node, you mean a lightning node? So a, a way to, wallet is a term that comes from the on-chain architecture. It's a, a wallet is a way, an application that is a wallet, it's, it's an application that saves your private key inside a device. It can be your computer, it can be your laptop, it can be your mobile device. But a wallet, the main function of a wallet is to secure your private key and to execute transactions using your private keys. Lightning Node also, have, also has private keys. It has many private keys, not one, uh, but has many private keys that are used in, uh, inside a lighting channel. And I know we'll have to go into the, to explaining what a lighting channel is. If you want, we can do that as well. Yeah, definitely we will, because uh, the advantage of having you on as somebody that came on from the Bitcoin and lightning side and then added podcasting is I get to ask you all the technical stuff. Sure, that's why I'm here. So a lighting channel. So let's explain. Let's, let's break it down for, for a second. So we have uh, the Bitcoin on-chain, which is a chain of blocks uh, mined every 10 minutes. With Lightning, we're creating a second layer. Uh, the second layer has a lot of advantages because you don't need to, to publish. Why Lightning is so easy to use? Why are the reasons that uh, it's fast, it's, uh, it's cheap, and it's scalable? And the reason is uh, because of the magic called a Lightning Channel. A lightning channel, I have a Medium article that explains that. I, I, I use the abacus analogy. You know what abacus is? Yeah. You know. but I'm old. <laughs> yeah, you're old enough. So the abacus is like the, 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 the thing that the, the Chinese use to do math calculations with the beads and the wires. Imagine a lightning channel as a wire between, between uh, you and me. And, and the Bitcoins are the beads on the wire. So the Bitcoins can be either on your end or my end. And every time we do a lightning transaction between us on our lightning channel, we move beads from one end to the other. So if I want to send some Bitcoins to you, I'm just moving the beads on the wire from my end to your end. The, the cool thing about lightning is that we, because we both have this entity and uh, this wire shared between us, we don't need to publish uh, this information to the blockchain, uh, to the Bitcoin chain. We're doing so-called off-chain transactions. It's Bitcoins, it's regular standard Bitcoin transactions, but these Bitcoin transactions are not published to the, to the chain. That's why uh, Lightning is so fast, because we, do, we can do 
as many as transactions as we want in, in just a milliseconds and we can uh, settle the, the, the score between us without every, every, everyone knowing about it. That's the lightning part. The network, the network part comes to play where let's say I'm connected to you using a lightning channel, but you're connected to Carol with another lightning channel. And now if I want to send Carol some Bitcoins, I'm moving bids from my end of the wire to your, to your end of the wire, and you are moving bids from your end of the wire to Carol's end of the wire. So that's the network effect. Not everyone needs to be connected with a direct payment channel, but we can use the power of the network, of the Smash network, in order to do uh, transactions within the Lightning network. So then that brings up a good question as well, which is you mentioned how creating the block creates a sort of level of security to prevent fraud. How does Lightning prevent fraud and how does it accomplish a similar security goal to Bitcoin, but does it so fast? Yeah. So the thing is that in this, in this architecture, the blockchain is the, the, is the judge. The, this, uh, this magical entity of a payment channel that we've just uh, described is created on the chain. Uh, it's a, really a, a multi-sig address that we created on the chain. And if there's a dispute in, in our internal settlement, then we'll, we're, we're closing the channel and going to the chain to judge who's right and what's the right account of the beats. So essentially on the chain, you have, let's say, yeah, I'm just picking a number out in there, but let's say you, you do a settlement like once a day and then in the lightning transactions, you have all the transactions for the whole day, but you're not putting each of those transactions onto the Bitcoin itself, but all you're putting is how much money went in and how much money came in for the day onto the blockchain, right? Yeah, there's no, not even a need to publish the score every day, and that's not the that's not how it works. We we dis, if we decide to create a payment channel between us, then we create this multi-sig address on the chain, and we create as many internal transactions between us as we want. And 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 99.99 percent of the cases, that's enough. When and that's not enough is when uh, you're trying to steal from me or I'm trying to steal from you. Uh, and then uh, what happens is that every entity, every one of us, every one of the peers of the channel have the internal score. And the internal score is created uh, with a chain of lightning transaction. It's a lightning transaction, every, every, sorry, Bitcoin transaction. Every Bitcoin transaction uh, uh, is using uh, the the last uh, score, so we have a chain of Bitcoin transactions between us. And if you your ability to fraud me, uh, to steal from me, is by publishing an old transaction. But if I I need to be aware of that, and I need to monitor the chain in order to understand that you try to cheat me, and if you try to cheat me, then I'm publishing the the, the new status between us, the latest Bitcoin transaction. And actually, in that case, if you try to cheat me and I publish the, the latest Bitcoin transaction, then uh, I'm able actually to take all the funds in the channel. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting thing. And I've read that before as well. Thankfully, I've never had anybody try and cheat me, nor have I done that. But I, it was an interesting thing to find out about that in Lightning, you have a, a built-in mechanism to make sure to prevent yeah, frauds, yeah yeah to but not just to prevent fraud but to actually move the funds to the correct transaction yes so, yes it's it's called technically it's called a justice transaction yeah, yeah. so it, it it's pretty interesting so how old is the lightning network or when was lightning created Lightning, the Lightning white paper came out in 2015. Uh, the first implementations of Lightning uh, were pretty robust. Uh, robust, not really, but it was early versions of Lightning came out in late uh, 2017. And we started developing on the Lightning network in 2018 and released a beta on 2019. Okay. Now, is your app on iOS and Android? Yeah, it's on both platforms? Okay. 
And I know I've been using the beta. Technically, if you're interested in the in the technology, we're we're using Flutter for our UI part and and Go for our backend. So it's a cross-platform architecture with which allow us to do mobile uh, cross-platform iOS and Android and maybe even web and, and, and desktop later. Yeah, you don't have either web or desktop right now. No, we're laser-focused on mobile right now. Obviously, I've used the latest version, which which I got through the test app on iOS, so it was, it's a beta, but I'm assuming that's because the feature that kind of brought me to your product was uh, podcasting that was added just very recently. The reason Breeze is still in beta is actually because the lightning is still in beta and not because of the podcast. Oh, really? Okay. So you've always had it available through the test, not... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Although we've made a lot of progress in lightning and and we're using an underlying implementation of lightning called LND, a shout out to Lightning Labs who, who are developing LND. Uh, we we brought uh, LND to mobile, and we're keep adding features that help run LND on mobile device. LND is the ability to run a Lightning node, and we're running an actual fully featured Lightning node on your mobile device. And all, but although we've made a lot of progress in recent years, uh, there are still uh, there are still bugs in in Lightning. Uh, for example, uh, channels can be closed for no apparent reason. Uh, so I don't think it's a production quality just yet. Got it. So it's really it's a decision that you guys have made to not come out of beta with your app until the network itself is more robust. Exactly. Okay. Keep in mind, uh, Gene, that uh, Lightning is a payment network. And, and and as a payment network, it has to be very reliable. It needs to be 99.99% success rate of successful payments. And, and we're not there yet. Yeah, that's true. So the wallets that are available, not as test apps, but as submitted fully functional apps that do both Lightning and Bitcoin, those people have just made a different decision than you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm coming, maybe I'm coming from a different angle since I used to do, to, to be in enterprise software. I have a different standard of, on what is enterprise quality and what's a general availability quality. And I don't think, I think uh, all the Lightning apps out there are actually better. That's yeah. my honest. Yeah, well, that's a very good point because when you install, if you actually download the code for one of the Lightning implementations and install your own node, it's very clear right away. They tell you, remember, this is a beta network. You can lose everything on here, so be careful. Exactly, exactly. So uh, the fact that we're on test flight and on Google Play beta channel means that I'm I'm setting I'm I'm trying to set the right expectations and when you install Breeze we give you a warning when you start the app I don't want to set the wrong ex- expectations well this works with for micro uh, payments quite well even as a beta because you're really not risking a very large amount of money and if everything works fine if if there's no issues then you're just using it as a micro payment system but if there are issues, the amount that is lost is fairly small. Yeah. No one has ever lost their funds using Breeze. And nevertheless, there are cases of channels being closed. And in these cases, you can lose mining fees, which are relatively small, but still uh, not the quality that you, you expect from a production software. Yeah. Yeah. And as I've started learning a little more about this whole system and getting my own nodes up and running, which I was, by the way, Adam very strongly discouraged me from doing that because uh, he'd done it <laughs> he'd done it months earlier. And if you really don't need this, why are you doing this? So I'm doing it for the same reason you are. I need to understand it. I need to learn it. Yeah, yeah. So I have to I do it from scratch. Unlike um, Adam, I think your method is the right method. We need to dig deep in order to understand what's going on. Yeah. If you don't understand the infrastructure, then you won't understand the, how to build a good product later on. And certainly not the regular user doesn't need to understand this. They don't need to really understand a lot of the, uh, 
a lot of beta software that's involved in this. But from a technical standpoint, from I've always liked to dig a little deeper. Like I said, my <clears throat> my background from many years ago was actually doing development work. I feel like I can understand it, but sometimes it's it it is it, it's a uphill battle. There are a lot of things that I found with both Bitcoin and Lightning, but certainly on the Lightning side more so that are just not documented. Like you mm-hmm. actually have to either track down what somebody else uh, posted somewhere, or you yeah. have to look at the source code. It's just there's not a, a easily available documentation for a lot of that. I agree. I agree. There are tools that that helps the node management uh, become a more seamless, uh, streamlined operation. But uh, yeah, the tools need to be improved. The developers' tools need to be improved. The IT tools need to be improved. The documentation needs to be. There's a lot to do in order yeah. to take it to the next next level. Well, let- Breeze, the, the entire premise of, of Breeze, but, uh, just to relate to your previous point, yep. is, to, is to abstract everything from the end user. Uh, we're trying to hide uh, all the channel management stuff from the end user. They, it, we have a single balance between on-chain and off-chain. It needs to be a seamless experience that is on par with, with what uh, Fiat products has to offer. So let me ask you just a little more of a techie question, and then we'll move on to other less techie questions. Sure. So since you said that Breeze is actually operating as a node on your mobile device, on your phone, and since I'm aware that opening channels and managing the spread of which channel has how many sats available on it, it's a pain in the ass. I can only envision that having something that isn't always connected, like your phone wouldn't be, because of the simply the management that the operating system provides to these applications. How do you guys deal with the constantly up and up, going up and going down channels? Yeah, you mean channels being active or inactive? Yeah. yeah. There's actually channels being active or inactive. It's not that much of a challenge but the mobile connectivity the fact that the mobile device and and the app on your mobile device isn't always connected creates a lot of challenges specifically in two areas one area is the on-chain sync lightning needs to have uh, needs to be aware of what uh, going on in the change to see if the channel state uh, has been changed because you're trying to see that uh, no one is, is cheating you and trying to steal your funds. So Lightning requires a, on-chain, a constant on-chain awareness, a constant on-chain sync. That's one area. The other area is the graph sync. The Lightning channels are published in, in, in something called the Lightning Graph. And the Lightning client needs to be aware of the changes and the updates, the constant updates to the Lightning Graph when someone is opening a new channel. All the network information is available to the Breeze client. Uh, so we've optimized and invested a lot of time to, to create on the on-chain sync. We have a background task that constantly checking the the status of the channel uh, channels and and we're using uh, i think we're the only client now that uses the neutrino protocol the neutrino client yep. in order to get the on-chain information in a, in a private manner and on the graph sync we've, we've created an optimized uh, graph sync uh, mechanism that allows us to update uh, uh, the graph uh, more efficiently I, I, to the more to the to the listeners who are interested in the, in how we've customized the the lightning node to run on mobile device i refer you to our medium publication i, I wrote uh, several several uh, posts on 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 that subject it's a fascinating subject and you said that you guys are also an open source product right complete everything is open source so not just the mobile app but also our our node and our servers everything that we do is open source so that leads to two questions one is of course we can mention now or or mention at the end on what are you running on github or what's the address for people to be able to take a look at your stuff yeah yeah so it's github slash breeze without an e at the end and that's our uh, main uh, link and our main repository is the Breeze Mobile one. 
so slash Breeze Mobile. Yeah, and I forgot to mention, because we probably should have been saying this for a while, is Breeze with no E. Yeah. Because people are, if you haven't seen the app and you're trying to search for it, you may be getting all kinds of other apps that are called Breeze. (laughs) This is the Breeze that is slightly misspelled without the E on the end, and there should only be one of these. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, and actually, people are trying to steal the breeze without an e as well. So our oh, site really? is okay. yeah, yeah. So it's breeze without an e dot technology. That's our site. Breeze technology. So that's the main site, and you've got links to your both your GitHub and your articles from that site as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's and easy. to our Telegram group and to our yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter and, and to everything. So then the second question is, how the hell do you make money or how do you plan on making money if all your product is open source? I think, I think that's already proven that open source software can make money. The fact that, the fact that it's open source, I don't think, I don't think it's, a, it's a challenge. I think the challenge is more on the lightning side. Uh, how do we create a lightning economy that takes uh, some chunks of the fiat economy and how do we move people to a peer-to-peer economy? Because I think that if we'll be able to move people to a peer-to-peer economy, then we'll be able to make money. Uh, Breeze specifically, we, we generate revenue from various from various sources. First, when you do when you send money to Breeze and we create a channel for you, a, a channel between the Breeze LSP. We can get into the LSP concept, but. That's another discussion. A light, an LSP is a lightning service provider. Uh, I, I, we created this notion of an LSP like the internet ISP, the entity that connects you to the lightning network. The ISP connects you to the internet. Uh, so the Breeze mobile interacts with the Breeze LSP. And when you first install Breeze and you send money to Breeze, the Breeze LSP creates a channel a channel between the Breeze LSP and the Breeze mobile node. And we take we take a fee on that uh, transaction. Uh, we take a fee on every Lightning transaction. Currently, it's only one SAT, but we take a fee on every Lightning transaction that is being executed uh, through Breeze, and not only through Breeze, but because we're a node in the network, we, we route many payments, so we take routing fees because of that. Uh, we also have a fiat on-ramp solution. We are using MoonPay, allowing users to buy Bitcoin using fiat, and we take a, a cut out of that. We have a marketplace. We have apps, uh, Lightning apps called L-Apps in Breeze, where users can purchase products uh, in Lightning, uh, can do swaps in, in, in Lightning, and we take referral fees out of uh, this type of interactions. And if we, it's a good segue to the podcasting part, because every time you stream sats uh, to a podcaster in Breeze, we take a cut out of that as well. Yeah, uh, and that's a good, that is a good segue. You're absolutely right. So we can talk <laughs> a little bit about the podcasting. So you'd mentioned Breeze already has some apps built in. And mm-hmm. I know I've looked at a few of them. It looks like there's a few games and there's certainly the apps that you mentioned for swapping and for refilling. Was that a concept that you guys started with right off the bat is to have yeah. a product that has built-in directory of apps? Yeah. Again, back to why I don't really like the term wallet. I see Breeze as a platform for peer-to-peer economy. And I don't want to create a closed garden of this peer-to-peer economy. Uh, the marketplace, the ability of developers to create these mini apps, these L apps, and to embed them into Breeze, like a MetaMask concept, where you can uh, interact with this second layer, this uh, lightning economy. This is something that we've released very early on. Okay. Uh, And how many partners do you have in that program right now? I think eight, something like eight. By fold, Lightning Roulette, Spendle, which is a debit card where you can charge your debit card with Lightning. And there's, there's a bunch. And yeah, I'm sure more will be coming. Do you have a worry about getting certified when you're out of beta by either Apple or Google having these extra apps in there? Yeah. That's a concern. That would be my first thought. It's like, mm, it's bad enough trying to get Apple to sign off on your app, but when you have other developers that are creating things to make use of your app inside, it seems like the risk is higher. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a, definitely it's a concern. Uh, 
the, the ability to embed the web uh, web view within the app and and and, and launch these third-party apps uh, it's a concern for for every app that does that worst case scenario we'll have to refer our users to an external browser and right. uh, instead of embedding the view within our app that's something that is allowed by Apple of course from a user experience standpoint we want to 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 have a more streamlined user experience where the users stay in breeze. And uh, it's something I heard recently, uh, which I believe is true, but maybe it's not even true, but it's still interesting, is one of the other podcasting apps had recently submitted their app to the Apple Store after implementing the streaming sats in there, and mm-hmm. it, w- it came back refused, and so there was some concern about what's going on and what does Apple not like. And... My understanding is the reason that Apple sent it back is because they they said the app is not doing enough things natively, and it's essentially just using WebKit to show uh, the website because all all the work being done is on the back end, so yeah. it's just feeding it. And yeah, uh, that's a legitimate feedback. I think we all yeah. want a great user experience on mobile devices, and we want developers to use the native features and the native user experience of the devices in order to provide the best experience they can. Exactly. So my sort of joke about it was Apple doesn't want you to submit the the sample app for DevKit. Yeah. Essentially, if you build your entire app on the server platform and you're just uh, using your mobile app just to display pages, yeah. it's essentially, it's very easy to write a mobile app at that point. Yeah, yeah. You don't want app for every website out there, right? Right. And that's not the... That's not the reason. And I also think from a podcasting standpoint, where notifications, downloads, the ability to use the native features of the device are important. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And, and there's it's a quick way to do it sometimes, but certainly part of the appeal of podcasting, pretty much from day one when Adam first worked on creating it, is having that offline file that's in your pocket even if there's no network connection. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think we all come to expect also this level of user experience. A website is enough. You know, you don't need an app for everything. You, maybe a website is, is a good enough solution for some services. And it's amazing, actually, how many games have been able to be built just purely on a, a web browser basis. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised all the time. Well, let's yeah, talk about... I, I, the- I'm also waiting for a day where we'll be able to run a Lightning Node on on the browser. Just right on the browser, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and I think certainly the closest to that right now is the stuff that PodStation doing that I interviewed the author of that product recently. And he's built his podcast player as a Chrome extension. And... It's he has to deal with things like limits on storage on on storage because you're limited as an extension uh, and all kinds of restrictions that most other developers don't have to deal with because yeah. what they're yeah. writing is either a full blown app or they're doing it on a server on the back end and and using it through a web browser but um, doing yeah. it through a Chrome extension obviously extensions are meant to be little quick things yeah. And when he he did add the ability to do value for value streaming, but he is using a an external wallet that he's communicating with through an API essentially to do that rather than natively. That means a custodial service. So yeah. I think, and it's very much aligned with the podcasting 2.0 model. Uh, where Adam is create Adam and Dave, uh, by the way, which is amazing. Shout out to Dave, who are creating this uh, platform, a free platform for free speech. I think uh, the only way to achieve that is by doing peer to peer transactions. And every time you're using a, a middleman, every time you're using a custodial service, you won't be able to really achieve that and because uh, this platform of uh, the entity that transfer uh, the money can censor you. Right. Uh, so maybe it's early, maybe many people are not aware of that, but it will come to a day where uh, if you, if you, uh, if that these entities, these new banks will censor you. Uh, and the only solution for that is to encourage a peer-to-peer economy and peer-to-peer money. And that's what Bitcoin is meant to do. Absolutely. And then just to get political for a second, I think 
it's not just the banks, it's the governments. They don't like giving of something that they've had yeah. a monopoly on. Banks and governments are <laughs> the same thing. Banks are extensions of government. Right, or and the other way around. Or the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> we don't really know, right? <laughs> exactly. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to tell, right? Which one's yeah. really which. Yeah. No, I was going to say, let's, uh, before we veer too far into uh, political land, let's chat a little bit about your decision to add podcasting. Tell me about how you guys decided to do that and then the path you took. Yeah. So Adam reached out uh, last end of last year to talk about it. I was convinced by Adam because uh, I think he can convince anyone to do what he wants. Yeah. He's a very, very charismatic guy, Adam. Uh, no, but uh, seriously, I was. Uh, I think there's a lot of alignment between what we're trying to do in creating free money and what Adam is trying to do with creating this platform of free speech. And I think there's a lot of uh, alignment in, the, in, in, in our values. Uh, and I think it's a perfect use case for a peer-to-peer economy. Uh, I think it's an example of how Lightning can improve the quality of life even for, for the Lightning users, uh, getting a pure sensational content clean content from content creators and the ability to create this peer-to-peer interaction between listeners and, and content creators i think it's an amazing use case for lightning so we've decided uh, we've decided to add pod- podcasting 2.0 to breeze it's not the first it's like a vertical solution on top of our general platform but really it's not our first uh, vertical solution we've also released last year We've released a point of sale like a layer inside Breeze. So Breeze has a point of sale mode where you can download Breeze, switch to a point of sale mode, and you can immediately be a Lightning merchant, start receiving uh, payments in Lightning without the need of or bank account or anything like that. So that was our first vertical solution. And Podcasting 2.0 is our second one. Got it. Okay. And then you guys ended up using more open source code for the podcasting app. How did you guys decide to use the, the code that you ended up using? Did you yeah. reach out to the developer? Did you look at any others? So that's a great question. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that how we're going to make money using open source. This is an example of how we save money using open source. Uh, because Breeze is an open source uh, software, we can also embed other open source software and there's a, pr- a great project by by Ben Hills called uh, Anytime, which is a podcasting app uh, built on Flutter. Uh, and we we were using Flutter, so when we started this uh, podcasting uh, 2.0 project, we did some research, uh, took a look a look at what the open source world has to offer in terms of Flutter podcast applications, uh, and we've end up uh, choosing Ben's project because it was very well written. The architecture was very clean, and we had a challenge to check to take an app and to integrate it into Breeze. Not only in terms of of the code, which is very important, but also in terms of the UI UX and the anytime architecture texture seemed very flexible and and it seems that we will be able to pull it off with any time uh, we've reached out to ben before we started the, the proof concept i wanted to to see if he's open to prs if he's open to modification that will enable us to use any time as a library the biggest challenge was to take this application and to use it as a library within our app and uh, so I've reached out to Ben, who is very open to, to, to that and help us uh, constantly throughout the process. And yeah, we're very happy with the decision and very happy with any time. It's not a, a, a complete, the, the feature set is not uh, complete as, as a more like uh, advanced uh, podcasting uh, apps, but uh, I'm sure we'll get there. Uh, yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty close though. And I will say that definitely uh, when I interviewed Ben, I told him that his UI looked really good and, and as does yours. And then uh, it makes sense because <laughs> you're using code that was good to start with. And then I'm sure you tweaked it to, to yeah. fit the rest of your program. Yeah, the, the challenge was to take the, an application. It's not easy to take an application that was 
designed and written as a standalone application and to customize it to be used as a library and do all UI, UX tweaks in order to, to make the UI and the user experience consistent and seamless. That was the biggest challenge. But Ben's code and, and Ben's, Ben specifically, he was very open to these changes and, and that just improved the code because everything was, was dynamic and flexible. Uh, yeah, well, as I, I said, we're, we're very happy with it. And I think, I think uh, it's just the beginning because there, there's ongoing work uh, to be done in order to add more features to, 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 the ben, to Ben's project and then bring it uh, to Breeze and vice versa. Uh, we want, we, we're running uh, Ben's code on iOS. Even Ben didn't do that yet. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very cool. And in fact, I asked Ben if he has any uh, plans to bring Bitcoin or Lightning implementation to his app. And he said he really doesn't because you guys already did that. So if people want a version of his app with the ability to stream sats, he'll he just point people at your app. Yeah, awesome. And if, and, and if someone wants a standalone podcast player without uh, Bitcoin capabilities, I really recommend uh, taking a look at uh, any time. Yeah, and it's not one that I'd seen until probably a couple of months ago, but it, it does have one of the best UIs. And that's there's a, a wide difference, let's put it that way, between podcasting apps that I've looked at. There's some that mm -hmm. are very clean and, and very intuitive. Very and there's clean, yeah. uh, some that, you cannot figure out for the life of day what the person was thinking when they designed the interface. It's yeah. just like, come on. Yeah. yeah, not to name names. There's no. another Flutter project, which is very comprehensive, but very difficult to use, I think, from a UI UX standpoint. Yeah. And that's a huge thing to obviously to look at. I'm all for simplicity. By the way, I'm also for, I'm all for the 80%. Uh, we don't need to, to hit every edge use case out there we need to hit uh, the 80% and we need to do that the the, the best we can that's yeah. that I'm, when i'm putting my product manager cap on I, that's the way that i'm thinking about it that's a good point thinking to your conversations with adam and and the work that you've done in adapting ben's app obviously you've had to interface with podcasting 2.0 the uh, the database that they're that they, well that they've built and the new features that are being added to the namespace. Um, mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts either about things that have been added or maybe some things that haven't been added but you thought would be good additions since it is in the process of really being created or updated? This is our probably one opportunity for the next uh, 10 to 20 years to really redefine the standard and what podcasting is created buy and have all the apps, certainly a majority, let's say, greet the new standard. I'm sure there'll be some people that just think podcasting is good the way it was and don't plan on updating with all the new feature set. But I'm seeing, especially because I'm interviewing you guys, I'm seeing a ton of new podcasting apps that are implementing either some or some of all the new features. So what, what are some of the things either that you've seen that you think are really good or maybe something you haven't seen that you'd like to see part of the standard? So I, I, there's, there's two aspects to the question. One is relates to the entire Podcasting 2.0 extensions and the other specifically to the value tag, which is the ability to compensate content creators. Regarding to Podcasting 2.0, I'm really not a podcaster expert, but I really like some of the features that, that Adam and Dave didn't reduce. Uh, specifically transcript, I really like. Uh, I think as a user, it really helps me uh, listening to a podcast. So that's, that's a feature we want to bring to Breeze as well. Uh, uh, on the value tag, uh, I hope, and many standards have made that mistake, I hope it will, I think uh, they created a very clean, very elegant, very simple standard. And I don't want to get to, for it to get uh, complicated later, uh, meaning uh, I want it to be kept simple and stupid uh, as much as possible. It's, it is a challenge in Lightning in this model of uh, streaming sets. It is a challenge to do 
For example, you can define multiple nodes uh, when you define your splits. You, when you define the, comp the compensation, you can split it between several entities. There is no limit to that. That creates a challenge from a lightning standpoint because there is lightning, although it's fast, it's not that fast. You can't do 50 simultaneous payments, for example. So there needs to be some limit of that. Lightning fees are challenged. We've implemented something on the client side to, to help mitigate lightning fees, but it's something that is that 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 isn't and can't really be part of the standard, or maybe can be part of the standard. But the lightning fee in that regard, in doing micropayment, is, is a challenge. Uh, we're doing something, some constant hard-coded on our end. It can be surfaced to the standard. Uh, generally, I really like uh, what these guys are doing and what and the, the the additional features that are work that are working on not only in the RSS standard but only also in the API side of uh, podcasting 2.0. Uh, some of the stuff that uh, Dave has uh, created for us, like the trending view, and he, he just added a new uh, list of new podcasts. Looking forward to to using these uh, capabilities as well. Yeah, and that's a good point is that it, it's more than just the standard. So it's not just the standards body that, that's at play here with Podcasting 2.0. It's really also the back-end APIs, the maintenance of the database, the, exactly. uh, eventually, hopefully, the pruning of the database. I know there's some mm -hmm. discussion about how to best go about pruning something that still lists podcasts yeah. that no one's put out an episode in, in a year. Is that Does that need to be pruned? Mm -hmm. If people are paying for the hosting and they're not creating content, maybe they're still getting listeners. Maybe that they're still getting enough out of it that maybe they shouldn't be pruned. Who knows? <clears throat> so I, I, I want to mention two features or two items that are my hope and contribution and get your opinion on these. So the first thing I think is pretty easy, which is I've submitted a, a new tag for the uh, for podcasting that sets the default playback speed. And the reason I did that is because I generally listen to podcasts faster. And in the first couple of episodes of my podcast, I actually did the time acceleration in post. So essentially, you had no choice but to listen to my podcast faster. And mm. Adam talked me out of that. He said, you really should leave this up to the listener don't make the assumption on their behalf for what you prefer. Different people uh, may want to hear you way faster than you want to hear yourself, or they may want to play it back at 100%. And Adam is a big 100% guy. He likes people to listen the way that he created it, which I respect that. I just choose to do it a little differently. And so my suggestion was, okay, let's compromise. Let's have the podcaster provide a recommendation and mm -hmm. then leave it up to the user. So if, if somebody loads in a brand new podcast, this tag is in the feed, then you default the value to that tag. But then, to the preferred. Yeah, yeah. If, if the person moves it forward or back, obviously you save that preference. So it really mm -hmm. only comes into play when somebody's for the first time going to listen to you. I like it. I like this, this suggestion. I think there are real world use cases that support it. There's the CTO of Lightning Labs, Lalu. He talks really fast. It's almost a joke in the community. <laughs> uh, I I can imagine him being being on a podcast. You know, immediately you need to do you need to go at least point five yeah. x. Well, at least it's funny. I actually had a quote uh, that I put up on the podcast index social that Ben Shapiro made recently where he was talking about whatever political stuff, but the quote that was funny to me was he says, and of course you have to slow me down to 0.75 just to understand what I'm saying. Because he's another guy that's very fast talkative and it's a, Yeah, a but it's nothing meaning. like Lalo. You need to listen to Lalo to, know, to okay. understand what I'm talking about. I will definitely do that. <laughs> As I'm digging more into this, I'm certainly more interested in, in also watching and listening a lot of the players... Yeah. He's great. He's great. He's one of the true lightning OGs, and mm -hmm. and, he's, and you don't want to miss anything he says. It's important. Everything that he says is very important. So it's a real world use case to the feature yeah. that you're suggesting. No, that's yeah. great. It's a good way to think about it. And then my other recommendation isn't so much a proposal to the index as just something I'm I'm hoping all all of you guys, all the podcast player creators, will will implement. 
And that, it, and it's not even something I invented. It's something that I think was a great idea. So I'm promoting the hell out of it mm-hmm. because I think it really should be the standard. And that is changing the skip forward and skip back buttons to be asymmetric. Most players and most applications in general have had either 30 seconds forward, 30 seconds back, or 15 yeah, seconds forward, 15 back. Yeah, so you, it's the same thing because it's, it's generally what's been around for a long time. And I ran across an app a while ago. I, know, I don't even think it was a podcasting one. It was, I think, video. But they did something absolutely brilliant, which is 30 seconds forward, 10 seconds back. And the reason for that is because the most, it's not going to be 100%, but the most common use of the forward and back is to skip over things and get to a point either that you're yeah. looking for or somebody told yeah, yeah. you about or something, and you always go past it. That's how you know mm-hmm. you got there is because you hear something that is like a new topic that you're, curious, you're yeah, interested yeah. in or... Completely makes sense now that you're saying that. Exactly. So you skip forward and then you want to go back. But if you go back the same 30 seconds, then now you have to, because, you know, Murphy's Law is it's going to be 29 seconds later. So you go back 30, you have to listen at 1x for 29 seconds until you get to the actual start point. And so having this asymmetry is great because generally you find the thing you're looking for a lot faster without going back yeah. and forth and without frustration. Yeah, what people end up doing is going back, going forward with a button, but with a slider, they're, right. they're, they're trying to find the right spot. And I think there's another use case to the 10 seconds back is typically when you're going back, is it's not only, that's one use case to try and find yeah. the right, the, the first position of a new chapter or a new topic. But yep. there's another use case where what they hell the guy just said and you want to go exactly. back and and 30 seconds it's too is, much it's probably too much yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. 10 seconds because you you'll hit that button almost immediately after wanting to rehear it so you you're yeah. probably not 30 seconds later that you decide oh i want to rehear this bit 30 forward 10 back so if all the podcast players end up with this but what did ben say oh yeah everybody i think i've had five people say that they're going to implement it now okay. uh, everybody so loves it. the idea You'll get it in Briz even without us, without without you guys having to do it. But I love yeah. having the support. I like more people implementing rational, reasonable things. Yeah, That's yeah. the bottom line. So it's some of the stuff that it's like inertia. We inherit stuff yep. from previous generation without thinking, without even thinking about. It. But now that you clearly state. You're really a product manager because now that you clearly stated the use case, it's it's that simple that this is the way that uh, we need to implement. Yeah. Maybe we need to gather some more feedback from other users and open it uh, up for discussion. But if that's the, the if the buttons are there to support the use cases that you've just described, then it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And with that, I'll tie it back to what we were originally talking about, which is. I think now you understand what I do when I develop mods for video games. It's yeah. essentially that, is I find <laughs> something frustrating and I want to fix it. And and thankfully, most games these days have APIs that allow you to actually fix it or you end up compiling a DLL and chucking it in there and then uh, using it within the app. But basically, it's just changing the functionality to what I think it should have been in the first place. And then it's always fun watching. It's fun watching those first few people download your stuff, and then eventually watching the ten, ten thousand, fifty thousandth person download your thing. And that it just makes me think that clearly I wasn't the only one that thought there was a better way here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't compromise, Gene. The being a developer gives you power, and let's use this power to make the the, the, the world a better place. I know it's a cliche, but. But we're building stuff, and and, it, and it's great that uh, game developers uh, allow you to modify their stuff. I'm always amazed. I'm watching my nephew play Minecraft. I'm always amazed by the level of customization that is allowed there. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm totally blown away. I don't know if people would be playing Minecraft if it wasn't <laughs> customizable. If it didn't have mods at this point. Because like yeah, the basic you know, game is very simple. The, the ability to control like every bit of the of the game is absolutely. As a software engineer, as a software architect, I'm, I'm blown away. Well, Roy, I appreciate you taking the time to record the podcast with me to give us a lot more of the technical insight and know-how behind the Lightning Network. I think everyone's going to appreciate that. We might have gotten a little too technical for a few folks, <laughs> but I think a majority of the listeners are, are going to love what you had to say. Thank you, Gene. It was my absolute pleasure. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview with Roy. If you'd like to make a contribution to the podcast, you can do so using the links in the description. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. Thank you.